Welcome to the 2019 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network, proudly celebrating 14 years. Today's episode brings you secure cloud in government. Here's your host, Luke McCormack. Good afternoon and welcome to this month's show. I'm Luke McCormack. During today's show, we will discuss secure cloud computing in the federal government. With me on today's show are Shamender Paul, Deputy Director, Strategy and Mission, CIO's Cloud Action Officer for the Department of Homeland Security. Ashley Mahan, Secure Cloud Portfolio and FedRAMP Acting Director at GSA. Brian Merrick, Deputy Director, Cloud Program Management Office, Department of State. Aubrey Merchant Desk, Chief Technology Officer, Semantic Federal. Brett McMillan, General Manager, U.S. Federal Civilian and Ground Station, Amazon Web Services. And Doug Boussois, Managing Director and Cloud Leader with Deloitte. Well, we had cloud first. We now have cloud smart. The president's management agenda talks all about modernization. One of the big things in there obviously is cloud enablement. It didn't go unnoticed that I think every uh, technology modernization fund award had some type of cloud play inside of it. And my unscientific uh, analysis is uh, it's full steam ahead. I think everyone uh, sees the barriers lowering, lowering as far as uh, adopting the cloud. Um, but that's introduced a lot of new complexities, right? You now have sort of this hybrid environment. My risk surface has gotten a lot uh, larger. I now need to think about uh, securing the data itself as opposed to the guard gates and locks kind of concept of the 1990s, so to speak. And, uh, and one of the things that I hear a lot is the skill sets that are starting to emerge and uh, the uh, and the need for not only a skill set on, on sort of this cloud play, but it, when I'm in a multi-cloud play, I also need a, a set of skill sets for this cloud, and it's another set of skills for that skill, uh, cloud. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little bit of a dynamic that I don't think people have thought about. I'm sure we'll talk all about that. Samender, let's start with you over at DHS. You guys were early adopters. You, you, you built some, some very significant private clouds. You're now adopting cloud technologies into the public environment. Tell us what's going on and what's the state of the state over there at DHS these days. Thanks, Luke, and uh, thanks for you and Tom for organizing this, uh, um, this event. Yeah, so we are fully committed to moving to the cloud. Our journey to the cloud started several years ago. Uh, it's accelerated. Uh, you know, there's a lot of early adopters all across DHS. Our strategy is uh, to be component-led. We're really focusing on supporting the components, the programs that are out in front, uh, understanding the barriers and working to chip away at those, and over time organizing and optimizing our, our move to the cloud. Uh, recently we you know, uh, updated our cloud statistics and, and you know, we've discovered now that 42% uh, of our IT portfolio is in motion, either moving to the cloud or in the cloud. About 10% of our, our applications across the department are already in the cloud. Uh, substantial uh, increase from year over year uh, from 2018, 2017. So yeah, you're right. It's a uh, it's a move. It's bottoms up. Uh, it, you know, we're all in on the cloud. It's all about enabling the mission. Uh, Brian, how about at State Department? I know it's very similar to uh, Homeland, where you have sort of a departmental play, and then you have these operating components that are that are active as well in the cloud. So tell us what's happening at State in regards to cloud. Sure, Luke, it's been a very uh, dynamic environment these days. Sure. Uh, we have, similar uh, to the DHS experience, a multitude of disparate business requirements and, and business organizations that have been moving to the cloud for quite some time. 
So rather than trying to slow that down or, or, or centralize everything, we're taking an approach to create an enterprise cloud ecosystem. Uh, definitely with a multi-vendor, multi-cloud approach. Um, we realize there's no one-size-fits-all, uh, and especially with the, the different layers of security requirements that we have, the disparate business needs, um, we really have to have a, a multifaceted approach. So what we're doing in our organization is trying to, to basically lay that framework out, make sure that we've set up the procurement vehicles, uh, the ATO processes for authorization to operate, uh, so that basically we can uh, help our business customers inherit shared security controls. Um, we're also working on uh, setting up a single identity, uh, which I think is going to be key, really, to unlocking the power of all of this. Um, now, as you mentioned, that we're not really focused as much on perimeter security, we're, we're realizing the real issue is about how do we secure our data as close to our data as possible. Uh, understanding that single identity and which ones of our users have access to what types of data is critical as we move forward to make sure that we have the right security postures in place and the right policies and procedures. Uh, so as we move forward, we're also partnering uh, directly with our, our business components. Mm -hmm. And I think the real challenge for us uh, moving forward is definitely going to be that continuing that business alignment. Yeah, having to be a former CIO at one of the operating components, always good to hear that that, 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 that movement's not going to slow down, right, but that you're going to embrace that, build that ecosystem. And you have multiple enclaves, right, unclass, collateral, high side, and then you have multi, uh, you know, cloud kind of environment. So it's going this way and it's going this way. It gets pretty complex. Brett, you're seeing a lot of different uh, activity across the spectrum, both in the IC community, DOD, civilian, public. What, what are you seeing out there? Uh, tell us what's what, what's what's sure. happening at AWS these days. Sure. So uh, it's been more than a de decade since the original cloud first policy came out. And uh, Amazon Web Services has been with the federal government on this journey from the very beginning. In those early days, what we were seeing was the federal government was picking specific workloads and they were moving it to the cloud. And we were seeing great successes on um, uh, systems that were improving citizen services, improving uh, cyber uh, postures, and um, creating the efficiencies that they're getting from the cloud. But these were done kind of one at a time. And what's really exciting today is throughout the federal government, we're having agencies and departments come up with these enterprise-wide solutions. So it's no longer just that program that has a bright spotlight on them can quickly and easily move to the cloud, but they're making it so any program area that can take advantage of the new technologies are able to move to the cloud quickly and easily. So this is an exciting time to be in federal IT. Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, it's uh, just a signal that there's the wide adoption is out there, right? Everyone has embraced this concept. The whole idea behind the, the risk of going to the cloud is, is, is lowered and it's more about how do I adopt it? And of course that brings on a new set of dynamics. Well, Ashley, uh, I think one of the best things we did as a community, and certainly where that the GSA has done, is create this FedRAMP environment, right, to just unlock all this capability. Uh, tell us about the state of the state of uh, what's happening in, uh, in FedRAMP sure, and, and just sort of the whole cloud movement across the federal government. You've got a bird's eye view of that. Thanks, Luke, um, and thank you for having me today. So really, uh, the success of FedRAMP is attributed to our cybersecurity rigor that we have with our vendor community and the strong partnership that we have with federal agencies across the board as well as uh, industry. And so roughly over the last year, we've seen a 60% increase in federal agencies' usage of uh, secure cloud services that are offered within the FedRAMP portfolio. Um, and also we welcomed 40 new agencies just within the last year to FedRAMP and they started using FedRAMP authorized services. 
So as uh, Brett mentioned, I'll echo the same uh, comment. It's an incredibly exciting time um, seeing agencies looking to cloud, being smart uh, in their movement to cloud, and FedRAMP, we're really at the epicenter of that, focusing on cybersecurity. And maybe if I could, uh, 30 seconds for the listening audience that might not know what FedRAMP actually is. Just uh, yeah, give us the elevator uh, version of that. Of course, so uh, simply put, FedRAMP, we work with an amazing community of uh, industry cloud service providers as well as agencies, making sure that whenever federal information is going into these cloud technologies, that it's locked down and secure um, throughout the entire life cycle of when an agency is using that particular system. So we are very focused on cybersecurity and also maintaining that security posture throughout the life cycle of uh, that uh, that technology. Which is super important and has to be secure in order to uh, to maintain the trust uh, of the public, uh, but we certainly want to use those goods and services, but we do have to secure it. And uh, Aubrey, uh, you're in a, a fantastic position there. You see a lot of these activities going on, this, this journey out of the data centers into the cloud, hybrid environments, now multi-cloud. We've got to be able to secure those capabilities and it's tricky these days, right? It's a new type of environment that we're trying to manage in. That, Tell us about what's going on over there and what, what you're seeing from Symantec's perspective. So first of all, thanks for having me on the panel yeah, sure. this morning. It's a pleasure to be here. And you know, for the past few years, actually going back to the previous administration, you know, we were engaged with the government trying to help them secure their trends or their migration to the cloud as they, they kind of move forward. So over the past few years, there have been a number of advancements in technologies uh, that, that help us uh, come at this with really a defense in depth approach to cloud computing because Amazon's responsible for security of the cloud and it's still up to the government to be, you know, manage the uh, security of the data in the cloud. So being able to uh, implement capabilities that will support a zero trust architecture, being able to, to provide that not only for persons but for non-person entities as we move forward, operational technology is going to be, going to continue to be a, you know, something that we need to get our arms better around, but Having the details about what and who is interacting with our clouds is going to give us the, the metadata, the context to understand uh, how we better drive analytics to understand the security of the cloud. And I've been working with Ashley for a number of years now since we kind of put together our initial cloud strategy. I'm very proud to say that Symantec has six products that are in queue uh, for FedRAMP authorization. And if you look at the, uh, the products that we have in queue, certainly they're going to serve the civilian government as well as the DOD and there's some stuff that we're doing with other communities as well. But we're really focused on what does that next generation trusted internet connection look like when we go direct to net as we start uh, adopting new cloud applications? And how do we uh, support that in, in a hybrid environment? Because you know, it's going to be quite some time uh, if we ever get 100% of our apps into the cloud. Uh, that, that may happen one day, but we certainly know that we're going to have legacy applications uh, that we'll need to continue to, to maintain and support and have visibility on. So providing a, uh, a platform approach to uh, integration, we call it integrated cyber defense at Symantec that allows you to essentially uh, coordinate all the telemetry that are coming from your legacy networks, your cloud environments, and you know, any specific mission operations that you have into a centralized place, uh, not only allows you to have full visibility for complete situational and operational awareness, but it also helps scale the workforce most importantly. Yeah, and full visibility is, is really important. Uh, Doug, um, you've got a, a interesting perspective there at uh, Deloitte. You guys are a global 
uh, entity. You're seeing this cloud movement in a lot of different ways. You're working with a lot of federal agencies that are adopting this. Uh, what are you seeing out there? Tell us, uh, what's the state of the state at Deloitte in regards to, you know, the, sort of the cloud movement, if you will? Yeah, Luke, thanks, uh, thanks again for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to join, uh, join the panel here today. Um, and definitely, I have a, a, a very advantageous position, you know, being part of one of the largest uh, consultancies in the world, as well as uh, our partner uh, internally with uh, one of the largest cybersecurity practices in the world as well, right? So you put those two things together, it's pretty interesting viewpoint. Um, and that said, uh, GAO, from a broad perspective, recently issued a report kind of on the status and progress of cloud computing uh, mm -hmm. across the federal government. And interestingly enough, I mean, basically between at the agency by agency level, there's about 5% to 30% of the applications have been migrated to the cloud. Um, and so when you look at that on the, on the whole, somewhere between 75 and 80% are still in play, right? Are still things that have not yet been migrated to the cloud. And so from that vantage point, I think agencies have kind of a portfolio of uh, maturity that they're looking at in terms of their cloud migrations. Lift and shift obviously is still in play as the kind of initial phase and soiree into the cloud, people are still you know, trying to optimize their approach that way. I think, you know, getting past lift and shift modernization becomes increasingly important at the application level, not just at the infrastructure level. So people are thinking about how do I incorporate more cloud native architectures and technologies into these applications as part of the migration process. I think both of those factors, lift and shift and, and cloud native, the, the, the best practice that we're seeing is the establishment of a cloud migration factory, which is doing those activities in parallel. I think like Shamendra talked about is what's going on at DHS, is that kind of keeping these things moving concurrently rather than looking at things serially, which obviously is the, the faster route to the cloud. Uh, and then finally, multi-cloud and hybrid cloud architectures. Um, although most of the government and industry on the whole have adopted those as the predominant architecture of choice, it's still early stage. Uh, I don't think anybody has the magic formula yet. There's um, the deeper um, that you go. I've actually had a team working on this for about two and a half years now, trying to get a handle on, on what the challenges are that agencies are going to see and experience in a multi-cloud world. Each layer of the onion gets a lot more complicated, and uh, hopefully we'll talk about that in uh, more detail later yeah, on. I'm hearing a lot of that, you know, and I think the, the from shifting from cloud first to cloud smart really allowed them to, to to slow down on just a lift and shift and really think through uh, and get creative and smart about how they go into the cloud, whatever it's an organic build or, or something else along those lines. Uh, Brian, let's talk about a specific program and uh, love to hear uh, about a specific program at State where you guys are, are implementing your cloud capability. Sure, I mean, as you can imagine, communication is sort of our bread and butter, sure. especially for the mobile diplomat operating globally around the world. Uh, and so uh, permanence and, and uh, immediate information is, is required. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the things that we've done in the last couple of years is uh, rolled all of, well, I should say 80% of our file and email storage in the cloud, uh, even for our overseas users. And that's created an enormous benefit. Um, we also enable mobile access to that information. So whenever we have a contingency operation or a continuity, of operation or continuity issue comes up, we're able to easily enable access to that information mm -hmm. so that people can real-time communicate and also with external partners, and that's been one of the challenges. We're still working through some of the security uh, concerns around that. So we have other uh, collaboration tools that we've uh, moved ahead a little bit farther and a little faster in terms of collaboration, uh, which is allowing our diplomats 
to um, share detailed file information with specific external partners. Uh, as you can imagine, we spend most of our time talking to people outside of the agency. Uh, so that's been very helpful for us, very useful. Um, it's allowed us to uh, do things like monitor elections overseas, um, to share diplomatic information with, with particular partners for uh, ensuring specific programmatic outcomes. And that's something I think is going to continue as we move forward. Yeah, I would imagine of all the, you know, one of the agencies that could benefit from the cloud from a global reach, it's certainly uh, the State Department. It's interesting. Brett, how about at AWS? Can you give us a specific example? Yep. Yep. Of, so, uh, so we're seeing uh, throughout the federal government uh, agencies uh, getting making big differences um, when they're moving to the cloud. Um, big differences in the way that uh, we're serving our citizens. Um, I, there's so many uh, uh, examples, but uh, one that I'd like to highlight is over at the, the VA. Um, the VA had multiple different ways that uh, the veterans could sign up for their benefits. And quite frankly, the veterans had to figure out how the VA was structured in order to get all their benefits. And they were finding out online, a very small percentage of the v, uh, the veterans were getting their benefits first time when they went online. So the VA looked at this and said, wait, why don't we just consolidate it, make it really easy for the vet, vets. And so they came up with this concept called vets.gov, a consolidated website. And they took some of these uh, forms that were these forms where the vet had to have the right software on their PC in order to fill out the form and they changed it to simple web forms that you can access from any device, mobile device, et cetera. And we're seeing today that a high percentage of these vets are able to sign up for their benefits quickly and easily, and they're getting more services than they uh, were getting in the past. So that's just one of the very many examples of how we're seeing uh, the citizens benefit from this move to the cloud. Um, and how long of, a, of an implementation was something like that? I'm just curious as to, you know, you know, it was, uh, uh, you know like these things happened very quickly, yeah. um, and uh, you know it was really on a software development side and things. It was only a few months, um, but with everything, we have to make sure it's being done right. And uh, they leveraged uh, the FedRAMP program and used the FedRAMP ATOs, and we got through those ATOs. I can tell you, Ashley talked earlier about uh, the FedRAMP program. From my perspective. The FedRAMP pro program is doing amazing efficiencies throughout government. What we were seeing was that these agencies were doing the same thing over and over again. And now that they're leveraging FedRAMP, things are going faster. So VA embraced FedRAMP and that sped up that process quite a bit. Fantastic. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk to Ashley about some uh, maybe a specific program that she wants to highlight. Uh, but right now we're going to take a break. Uh, you're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Imagine what's possible. A cloud that uses agility and computing power to put emerging technologies at the heart of your organization and can help you scale your possible. Envisioned and engineered by Deloitte, cloud can help you discover and accelerate toward what's truly possible for your people, citizens, and organizations. Deloitte helps you unleash your possible and stay ahead of what's to come. For more on how to advance your cloud and fast track your possible, Visit Deloitte.com slash US slash Federal Cloud. Welcome to the cloud generation. It's a great, big, glorious, connected, dangerous mess. And as a security professional, it's your job to deal with it, all of it. So what do you need? You need security that protects every employee, everything, everywhere. You need a partner who sees it all, has it all, protects it all, and makes it all work together. At Symantec, they call it integrated cyber defense. You'll call it the relief you've been waiting for. Symantec, securing the cloud generation. To learn more, visit Symantec.com. 
Are you ready to move to the cloud but looking for practical guidance? Not sure where to start? Amazon Web Services is there to help you select the right acquisition approach for your agency. Buying cloud computing services takes different skills and strategies than buying traditional IT. As your agency is considering moving to the cloud, there are important topics to consider. Discover the steps to migrate your agency to the cloud from design to implementation. Get started on AWS today. Learn more at aws.amazon.com slash how to buy. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. With me on today's show are Shamender Paul with DHS, Ashley Mahand with GSA, Brian Merrick with the State Department, Aubrey Merchant Desk with Semantic Federal, Brett McMillan with Amazon Web Services, and Doug Boussois with Deloitte. We're talking about cloud capability, cloud enablement in the government. Uh, we were going to go over to Ashley and talk about a specific program out of FedRAMP. I know you have a lot of examples, but give us uh, one that uh, sort of rises to the top. It's really neat because uh, FedRAMP, uh, we have over 150 federal agencies that we're actively working with um, that are looking to move to cloud and use uh, services that have that FedRAMP authorization. So um, having that bird's eye view is, is really an interesting and, and neat perspective. Um, so one example I'll just mention that's really close to home is at GSA. Over the last several years, they've um, migrated to cloud-based email, um, and they've experienced a uh, savings of uh, 19 million over the last five years. So you're seeing that there's a dent, right, that um, there's efficiencies that are being made when agencies are moving to the cloud. The other thing, just from a cloud um, and FedRAMP perspective, we're seeing a lot of innovation coming out from industry. Um, just a couple months ago, we had a genome informatics and data management platform um, authorized uh, with one of our agencies that's very focused in, in healthcare and science. Um, we're seeing a lot coming out of law enforcement, federal law enforcement, where they are looking for digital evidence collection and, um, and body cameras that are beaming uh, information up uh, for analytics, right? So there's a lot of really neat uh, products that, that are um, springing up that the government is looking to use and really enhancing their missions. Yeah, really pushing it up the value chain. I think there was a lot of early lift and shift, a lot of, a lot of savings there, you know, coming out of these legacy data centers, the email environments, et cetera. Now you're really looking at higher order, time to market, way up the value chain of enabling the business, which is really fun. Um, uh, Doug, how about at Deloitte? Can you give us an example there of um, a specific program that you guys are focused on? Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, I've been talking about for some time that I believe that the true value of the cloud is tapping into the, the rapid pace of innovation that's occurring across the industry, right? And Ashley's examples, I think, um, tie into that and demonstrate that that is really actually happening. Now that said, from my point of view, I don't think we're quite there yet where agencies are getting the mission value yet out of some of the really latest and greatest really cool innovation that's happening around IoT and analytics and AI and ML at the edge. I think everybody's kind of figuring that out. So I would say that in terms of a program that's generating a ton of value from the cloud is one of the DHS components actually. I'm not at liberty to say which one it is. Um, but um, what they're doing is they're modernizing their entire human capital program. And they're leveraging the opportunity to drive to the cloud as um, an opportunity to modernize the program, bring uh, a digital perspective to that program, and really emphasize user experience in the process. So they're completely modernizing the way 
um, that they go about doing business rather than looking at things through the tunnel vision of cloud and how I can move my existing stuff as a portfolio of about 70 applications, right, that are going to the cloud. So I took a very modernized, very progressive approach to that. And as a result, are changing the way, not only saving money, but really changing the way the user experience of their entire human capital experience across the, uh, the organization from hiring all the way through the process of, you know, employees staying with an agency, transferring, getting promotions, you know, and then eventually retiring. Um, and I say that is, you know, making a difference um, from an internal perspective, but making a difference uh, in a broad scale way from embracing modernization. Certainly from an agency perspective, and it's just all of a sudden you're enabling all this capability to happen, uh, which is remarkable. Uh, Shemender, how about at uh, DHS? Can you give us an example of a specific program that you'd like to highlight in regards to a cloud adoption? Yeah, I, you know, Luke, I want to highlight your one of your old uh, one of your old agencies. So. Uh, ICE is uh, uh, pretty far out in front um, with uh, USCIS, but with ICE, there's been a focus on multi-cloud infrastructure. And they've been able to, to leverage that investment and that early lead to really accelerate uh, the movement of their portfolio to the cloud. Um, they've been able to build some consistent instrumentation, consistent business processes, and really move down the learning curve um, in terms of generating some efficiencies as they do the migration. Now, you know, we, um, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Zangardi, uh, our chief uh, information officer, uh, made the decision last year in, in consultation with uh, leadership that we really wanted to burn our boats in terms of moving to the cloud. So, uh, put out guidance about, um, uh, you know, moving out of DC2, uh, contractor on contractor operative facility, uh, right sizing in a DC1, a government owned contractor operative facility. Uh, that really um, catalyzed. Uh, stretch objectives and, and you know, moving to the cloud, and ICE has been uh, doing some excellent work in terms of leveraging the investments in a, a platform, a cloud management platform that can accelerate uh, the movement to the cloud. Yeah, and it seems interesting because depending on sort of what you're picking, you know, mail, you know, you, 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 you maybe end up in one cloud and then, you know, a different SaaS with all this low code, no code kind of capability, maybe you end up in another cloud, and all of a sudden you have this multi-cloud environment that you have to deal with, right? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. And you know, one of the you know you talked earlier about the cloud smart, and that had the three pillars of a workforce, cyber, mm -hmm. and procurement. Um, you know, on the workforce side, there's a lot of activity around defining uh, um, you know position descriptions, required skills, helping folks assess gaps, put in place training to develop the workforce. Uh, but but I think almost as interesting, maybe more interesting in some ways, is an effort to um, identify the pathfinders, the early adopters across the department. Just in the area of future state cybersecurity, for example, we identified 24 initiatives, uh, mainly in the components that are leading edge, that we're really, uh, through the cloud steering group, putting a spotlight on that are going to be defining our future state. Yeah. Right, some of those, you know, and, and a few of those are in headquarters, but for the most part, things like cloud access security brokers, virtualizing the, the tick, yeah. um, they're down in the operating components. Right. And, capturing that knowledge, packaging it, sharing it across the department, accelerating that knowledge management type stuff. Right. You know, that's uh, exciting in terms of driving innovation across the know, department. Brian, you guys are doing the same thing, right? Council Affairs is out there, you know, doing yes. some stuff, and then you got DSS over there doing other things, and sort of raising that up so all boats are sort of level, I think is, is really important, right? Yep. Yeah. Aubrey, um, how about uh, at, uh, well, give us a specific program that you want to highlight in regards to just a, a cloud adoption capability. 
So, so it was mentioned just a moment ago, and I think I mentioned it earlier, around the, uh, the next generation trusted internet connection. You know, years ago when we first started this, uh, this IT modernization effort, it became clear that there was a real opportunity for us to get better intelligence, better situational awareness, and, and really utilize this opportunity to you know, improve that cybersecurity baseline. In a recent uh, executive order, you know, it was called out that, that one of the things that we need to do is really treat the entire federal government as an enterprise. You think about that nowadays, it, 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 it seems like, yes, that's absolutely something that we should be doing, however, you know, different agencies have different missions and might be uh, rating their risk a little bit differently. However, you know, utilizing uh, something like a, a future generation trusted internet connection that's going to allow us to have visibility and context into how federal employees, even to the state and local level, are interacting with the internet, how they're interacting with SaaS applications, how they're interacting with, with uh, private cloud applications as well, based on identity management as something that, as we talked about earlier, is really going to give us a lot better insight and to understand who and what is interacting with the data, and that's really going to be key to us achieving that that cybersecurity uh, baseline that we've been seeking for so many years. Yeah, and you know, and 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 some of this this plumbing is really important, right? I mean, some of the the sort of the uh, this 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 quick migration into the cloud has sort of surfaced things like the tick environment and this sort of hairpin thing that we all dealt with over the years and uh, thankfully there's a lot of technology out there now and some policy that's out there now to, to plow through that and uh, unlock that. Uh, I want to move over to lessons learned. I'm going to start with Ashley and I would ask you, you know, from, from the perspective, you're in a unique situation there where you're dealing with all the vendors and getting them FedRAMP certified, but you're also dealing with all the agencies that are trying to adopt these FedRAMP capabilities, et cetera. So maybe a lessons learned from both of those, if you have them, in regards to sort of uh, informing the community about what you're seeing out there and signaling to them about things they ought to be thinking about as they're moving on this cloud journey. Certainly. So uh, a couple things that come to mind is, first off, making sure you have the right people at the table when you're making the decision to go to cloud. Um, I understand a lot of times in government that you have a certain program and they say, you know what, I want to use this innovative technology, but really setting up that procurement for success and inviting the security team from the agency into the mix, inviting the business or the mission owner into the mix, having also the contracting officer or the privacy officer as well to have a more informed conversation on how to make that buy as effectively as possible is, is absolutely key and a, a lesson learned that we've taken and that we um, help evangelize to all of our agency partners. Um, the other one from an agency standpoint in working with industry is we really encourage agencies to understand the data types that they want to transition to the cloud. Mm -hmm. Because when it comes to security, when it comes to the baselines that we prescribe, uh, we go through an exercise, it's called FIPS 199, and basically simple exercise, just categorizing that data and figuring out, okay, what kind of protections do I need? Do I need uh, 125 protections or do I need 421 security protections? And that has a that's very important because as you're translating those requirements to the cloud service provider, the cloud service provider is then going to have to meet those requirements. So there's a lot of considerations that they are going to have to do on their end or potentially technically um, uh, ensure their environment meets those security requirements that providing that to industry early and often is certainly a best practice. Yeah, really trying to calculate the level of risk that you're talking about there is really important. Well, Brett, let's, uh, let's go over to you in regards to, you guys were sort of early out in the cloud there. You've seen a lot. Uh, what are the lessons learned out there that you'd like to communicate with the community uh, so that we can learn and discover and continue to get better? 
Yeah, so a lot of the things that we've uh, worked through in the, over the years on acquisitions and um, and security and things, uh, the, uh, the government's gotten very good at working through those things. Some of the things I'd uh, like people to realize is um, when you start this move to the cloud, don't be surprised how fast it's going to go and how many program areas that you never thought were going to come to the cloud and have a benefit or it's going to come to the IT office and say, I can benefit from this. So um, many agencies will start with a few programs. Get ready for enterprise-wide um, standard operating procedures and governance because uh, uh, by setting those things in place, then you can make it so a wide variety of these program areas can do it. The other thing that's really important uh, and it, it, it's really fun to watch is when I work in uh, government and I work with government agencies, I find some people that are very passionate about the government missions, very passionate about serving the public. And when they move into a cloud environment, the number of tools that they get, the number of things that they can do to fulfill their mission increases dramatically and the speed at which they can do things increase dramatically. And so what we're finding is that um, these government workers were kind of unleashing the power and the creativity of the government IT workers. And so as you're doing this transformation, spend a little bit of time understanding how you're going to um, make it for the, those government IT workers and how they're going to be more effective in their new jobs. No longer do they have to say, hold on, no, uh, we'll try to get to it as soon as we can. You know, all of a sudden you can enable these capabilities. Brian, let me ask you uh, some lessons learned. It sounds like you guys sort of laid a framework down on the ecosystem you're talking about in your intro. Mm -hmm. Uh, what are the lessons learned that you're you're uh, you're seeing that you'd like to share as a, a big you know department that's got multiple components out there? You're trying to manage all these activities. I, I would say first of all, it's critical to really understand the business problem that you're trying to solve by moving to the cloud. Uh, you know, it's all a lot of great stuff, and it, it unlocks just as you said a, a host of possibilities. But you really need to zero in on what's the driver. Is it effectiveness? Is it efficiency? Is it security? Uh, what's the, the main thing you're going for? In, in our respect, uh, mission effectiveness is our, our major priority, and we want to make sure that we uh, protect our data and enable our mission. And so that's sort of what we focused in on. Uh, different business drivers may happen in different organizations, but that's one of the critical things. Uh, secondly, I would say you really have to think about how you want to go about doing that. What's your strategy going into it? You know, do you want to have uh, more of a, a centralized push do you want to enable things at the speed of business and unlock that creativity? Um, you know, how, how do you want to approach that? And third, I'd say you've got to have the key enablers in place. That's talent. You've got to have people that know how to leverage this. They need to understand the art of the possible. Um, they also need to understand the business and, and what you're trying to achieve. Uh, and then you also have to have all the connective tissues. You have to have the security in place. You have to have the procurement vehicles. Uh, and, and to Brett's point, it is so much faster, and it, you can get to market so much quicker than the average management process is used to dealing with. Uh, and, and one of those, those things that, that we've kind of run into is, it's not that IT was a problem, it's that IT kind of showcases the challenges as we've had a multitude of programs and business processes over time. And so we're seeing now that, you know, what we really have to do is go back and let's talk to the business and figure out how do we optimize those processes so that, you know, we can get you to a better solution overall faster. And that's something that's been sort of a paradigmatic change for us. Right, I think both the, uh, the IT specialist and the, uh, the business folks both see sort of this gold rush of uh, opportunity. You have to have the framework in place uh, uh, so that you don't create another le level of chaos. Doug, how about over at Deloitte? You guys are seeing a lot of activity. You've done a lot of 
early adoption of cloud enablement across the uh, federal community. What are some lessons learned that you want to share with the uh, with the audience here? Well, first, Luke, I have to point out that our messaging is very contradictory. You say unleash the beast. I say tame your multi-cloud, right? So we got to make sure we're, <laughs> we're on the same page here. Now, um, seriously, from a uh, lessons learned and best practices perspective, I think one, as the easy lift and shift stuff gets checked off everybody's list, I think it becomes even more important to complete your engineering analysis around the portfolio to really understand what your modernization plan needs to be for the harder applications, right? So I think it becomes that deeper technology dive around um, the portfolio becomes even more important. Mm -hmm. And then to the points that were raised by Brett and I think Brian both, um, you know, the need for speed, right? As programs are going to come faster and faster, really set up that cloud migration factory concept and really streamline the onboarding process and the migration process and the adoption, you know, for those programs. Make it easy as possible, but address the things that, um, that they need to address, like security and like architecture changes and things like that. Um, align your core IT processes. We see many, many agencies forget about change management and configuration management processes that end up being bottlenecks. Right, so really think about how you streamline those and how you can incorporate the, the automation and the value of cloud into those processes. Otherwise, uh, things can, can get um, stopped pretty quickly. Um, leverage a center of excellence model for uh, the organizational change. It still tends to be the hardest part. It was good, kind of good to hear folks talking about you know, that aspect, but um, it really needs to be streamlined. And then finally, as a former line of business guy, uh, I have to point out that the, there's, a, there's an underlying challenge around the budgeting process that gets really exacerbated with cloud. You transition to a consumption-based budgeting model for your IT programs and the IT components, and this is a part that's kind of foreign for most CIOs. It does get interesting, that consumption-based model is a different way of acquiring services. Shemender, uh, top lesson learned from DHS. You guys were an early adopter. You've seen a lot of scar tissue out there. You've worked your way through it. Uh, what do you want to communicate to this audience in regards to uh, lessons learned? So early on in the process, I surveyed the cloud action officers across the department, asked them exactly that question. What's your number one barrier? Where are the opportunities? Uh, the answer came back streamlining the ATO process. That's really a bumper sticker though for a, a whole host of, of initiatives and, and uh, requirements. We peel back the onion on that and uh, you know at the heart of that are things like uh, um, process improvement, building on the excellent work of FedRAMP, uh, uh, but process improvement about how we do uh, the ATO process today, uh, but then looking you know, to leapfrog into DevSecOps kind of ideas, uh, be able to drive uh, extreme inheritance of uh, common controls uh, during the development process. We think that's going to drive huge amounts of automation. It's going to give us agility and speed, uh, the kind of things that Brian was talking about. Um, you know, it's going to support what Brett was uh, and Doug were talking about in terms of uh, uh, organizing for success and things like that. So definitely, um, it's the um, um, focus on that ATO, right? As uh, and you know, driving investments in automation on the security process. Right. All of a sudden, you've wiped out all the uh, provisioning delays, et cetera. Right. That just goes away. Uh, but you got to make sure these are hard environments. You got to make sure they're protected. Uh, well, this is a fantastic subject, and we're going to take another short break, and we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. 
Are you ready to move to the cloud but looking for practical guidance? Not sure where to start? Amazon Web Services is there to help you select the right acquisition approach for your agency. Buying cloud computing services takes different skills and strategies than buying traditional IT. As your agency is considering moving to the cloud, there are important topics to consider. Discover the steps to migrate your agency to the cloud from design to implementation. Get started on AWS today. Learn more at aws.amazon.com slash howtobuy. Welcome to the cloud generation. It's a great, big, glorious, connected, dangerous mess. And as a security professional, it's your job to deal with it, all of it. So what do you need? You need security that protects every employee, everything, everywhere. You need a partner who sees it all, has it all, protects it all, and makes it all work together. At Symantec, they call it integrated cyber defense. You'll call it the relief you've been waiting for. Symantec, securing the cloud generation. To learn more, visit Symantec.com. Imagine what's possible, a cloud that uses agility and computing power to put emerging technologies at the heart of your organization and can help you scale your possible. Envisioned and engineered by Deloitte, cloud can help you discover and accelerate toward what's truly possible for your people, citizens, and organizations. Deloitte helps you unleash your possible and stay ahead of what's to come. For more on how to advance your cloud and fast-track your possible, visit Deloitte.com slash U.S. slash Federal Cloud. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. With me on today's show are Sherminder Paul, Department of Homeland Security, Ashley Mahand with GSA, Brian Merrick with Department of State, Aubrey Merchant Desk with Semantic Federal, Brett McMillan with Amazon Web Services and Doug Boussois with Deloitte. We're talking about cloud computing. We were talking about lessons learned. Aubrey, let's throw it over to you. Uh, I'm sure you've got a lot of lessons learned out there, but if you could just give us one that you'd like to share with the audience in regards to, you know, what do people need to be thinking about? What do agencies need to be thinking about? Vendors need to be thinking about as they're doing this adoption? Yeah, recently I've been thinking about cloud services and applications in general very much like we think about a supply chain. So you think about it, you've got a front end of an application that, that users or devices potentially are interacting with, depending on what the application is. And there's a back end where the data is stored, uh, where functions might take place to do operations on that data, maybe analytics and so forth. So from a security standpoint, it's really important to consider all those factors as you are securing these infrastructures, whether they're running in public clouds or even private clouds as well. So being able to get that, that level of, uh, of intelligence that's needed to understand what your risk posture is at any point in time really does kind of get back to this whole notion of identity proofing and zero trust networking. So understanding what uh, users are interacting, uh, who they are, where they're accessing from, being able to apply specific policies based on the devices they may be accessing uh, those applications with, identity proofing the applications themselves from a continuous integration, continuous development standpoint, understanding the microservices dependencies that are interacting with those apps as well is going to be very key to us being able to have integrity in cloud operations as we move forward. So uh, outside of that, you know, as a cloud service uh, offer provider, uh, Symantec, uh, we have gone through a, you know, a significant amount of effort to make sure that we stand up a compliance and engineering uh, layer, if you will, so that we can best leverage all the applications and capabilities that we're going to be bringing into the 
to the cloud environment, certainly stuff that's already available as well. But uh, being able to leverage that so that we can provide a you know, consistent uh, uh, experience for our government uh, across the board uh, and do so securely and be able to respond to them in real time is, uh, is been something that we spent a lot of time many, with. Many things to be thinking about as we yes. do the adoption. So we're going to move over to major challenges. I wanted to start with you, Ashley. Uh, sort of the top challenge that you see out there uh, on enabling, you know, the, the cloud adoption, you know, bringing us all on this journey. What's the biggest challenge you see out there today? I think one of uh, the ones that we see uh, from most prevalent on, on FedRAMP is uh, with the cloud, right, it's a, it's a stack, right? There's an IS, PaaS, SaaS, uh, different layers that all integrate and work with one another to provide this uh, incredible service to, to agencies or to the end user. Um, and there's also specific security functions associated with each one of those uh, components. Um, as cloud is more or less a shared model, as you go up the stack, right, a cloud service provider is doing more for you from a security standpoint, but there still are specific things the end user or the agency's on the hook for, for from a security standpoint. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure as an agency that you understand what those are, that you implement uh, what what you need to on your end to make sure that you are uh, you are securing uh, your you know interaction with that environment uh, one of the things that I love most about FedRAMP and our providers is that our providers provide that incredible transparency into their environment on how they're securing their information and they also help agencies out and they tell them this is your responsibility right associated with security with this particular line item uh, let's take uh, the PIV or the common access card for instance that is typically a shared responsibility where mm -hmm. agencies they have to issue those cards right they have the credentialing that they that they manage but then the cloud service provider is going to make sure that they can accept those credentials right and have the engineering there in place and so that's a perfect example of the shared responsibility model and if the agency doesn't uh, you know fulfill you know the common access card or having that that multi-factor um, or that second factor in place you know that is a vulnerability and um, this the second factor for MFA is is not there so those are examples of things that through this process through FedRAMP that agencies are able to uncover understand what they are responsible for and it's just really a lesson learned that I want to ensure that agencies you know they they uh, they uh, they see through agencies have to own it right they do yeah, well, we're going to, um, we got about 13 minutes left. I'm going to switch it around a little bit. I'm going to start with you, Shemender, go right down the line. Uh, we're going to give our final thoughts. If you want to bring in a, uh, uh, you know, major challenge there as well, as you can weave in there, you can do that as well. Uh, but let me start with you. Just sort of, what does the future look like in regards to, you know, the journey that DHS is on in regards to cloud computing? In an earlier segment, I highlighted the uh, uh, challenges and opportunities around cybersecurity. So uh, that's, uh, that's an area that's very fertile as we move towards a zero trust model, mm -hmm. as we think about uh, automation in the security process, uh, inconsistent instrumentation, um, and, and uh, leveraging the data that you can generate from going to the cloud and, and that kind of automation. Uh, but I want to highlight something different, which is, uh, we recently put out a request for information, RFI. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're, we're moving towards uh, a series of, of potential procurements. Uh, we think this is central. It's something that's highlighted in the Cloud Smart approach, you know, thinking about this. Uh, we think it's going to drive unity of effort in the department. 
Uh, but the biggest challenge I have is getting through the, the 105 responses we got. Now, I don't want to personalize it. We have a team here and we're dividing the effort, so it's a, it's a team challenge is getting through those responses. Uh, but it's really, really, you know, very good information. I want to thank folks that, you know, participated and responded. Uh, we do intend to be transparent as we're going forward on this and sort of share what we're learning and where we're going. So, and it's uh, not just the RFIs, but it's also learning from the early adopters and the pathfinders across the department that's going to shape our strategy going forward. Fantastic. Um, Brian, uh, how about at State? Uh, tell us, you know, what, what, what does the future look like out there? Uh, maybe a challenge that you have, but uh, more so, you know, what's the future look like for State? What's the diplomat going to have in his hands in two years and what kind of capability? Yeah, I, I think one of our challenges is figuring out what not to do. Right. There are so yeah. many possibilities sure. now that we, we really have to zero in on our priorities and, and figure out where do we want to weight our efforts in terms of the new functionalities that's out there. I mean, some of the things we're seeing that, that we want to start getting into more are like Internet of Things. You know, you can imagine we have 275 facilities overseas. Uh, you know, the, the amount of data that's created by all that equipment and, and uh, facility data is just massive. Uh, on top of that, you know, looking at AI, looking at blockchain, looking at how do we unlock some of that data. And so I think what you're going to see is that cloud is just going to be a standard expectation. Uh, it's just going to be uh, something that, that we all do. I mean, we're not having any trouble finding people that want to do it uh, or want to move it forward. We're, we're trying to figure out how do we align it best uh, towards the right outcomes and the right goals. So uh, I think the expectation is going to be that people, especially overseas, can do the same things at work that they can do at home in terms of their relation to technology, um, the, the, the speed uh, of their ability to connect and to have impactful communications as quickly as possible is, is just going to be a constant driver for us. So I think we're going to adopt a lot more uh, cutting-edge technology. I think we're going to reduce our time to market. I think the mobile diplomat is going to have the ability to get on his phone or her phone uh, anywhere in the world and be able to connect with anyone else that they need to talk to in the agency or outside the agency about a specific programmatic issue they have and know real time what's happening and be able to affect diplomacy uh, right in the room without having to go back to their office or without having to you know, call somebody else. And, and I think that kind of power is, is really going to be a, a force multiplier for us. Yeah, really enable the, the ability of a diplomat, right? It's almost unprecedented in some of these far reaching uh, areas of the globe, right? I'm sure. Uh, Brett, how about at AWS? Uh, what, what does the future look like there? You know, I saw ground station in your title here. I don't know what the heck that means, but uh, yeah. Uh. Yeah, ground station is a uh, new product that we're releasing that is, uh, uh, it's, it's taking satellite communications, uh, satellite downlinks and uplinks, and making it more like the cloud is. It used to be that people had to um, uh, do a very high capital investment or long-term lease, much in the way that people had to do their own data centers. And um, we're in the process of, uh, uh, rolling out products and services that do the same things for space as we've done for um, IT and computing. Um, you asked earlier about uh, challenges. Really the challenges that we're seeing in federal IT as they move to the cloud fit into three different categories. One is acquisition, the second is um, ATOs or governance, and the third is standard operating procedures. And we're seeing federal agencies uh, tackle each one of those and they're doing so much better and we're seeing great acquisitions come out from the federal government today. Uh, and uh, with ATOs, uh, government agencies that are leveraging Ashley's organization, the FedRAMP office or streamlining that and um, standard operating procedures are really important so every program area can quickly and easily use 
um, the cloud very securely and often they improve their security posture. Uh, as far as the vision for the future, if, if you go back, for decades, government IT organizations have been limited by the problems they are willing to solve by what was available in their data center. And when you move into the cloud, you get near instant access to best of breed and the latest technologies. And so moving forward, when these agencies have broad access to the cloud, we're finding IT organizations are only limited by the problems they can solve by their imaginations. Fantastic, I'm uh, looking forward to sort of uh uh, unlocking, unleashing the beast, I'll call it, say it again, and unlocking this capability. And it's a very interesting uh, example you use there about the data center versus all of a sudden you've got this capability. Ashley, how about at GSA? What does the future look like? Are we going to have uh, ATO in a day, ATO in a week, uh, you know, Fed ramp in a day? Uh, give us a prediction. So we are a cybersecurity program, and we want to continue bringing innovation to government and making sure that when government is looking at these cloud technologies that, that they're secure. Um, we want to keep our ear to the ground, listen to our agency friends that have some incredible uh, lessons learned in ATO in a day, um, ATP through DHS, uh, DOD has a program established too that has streamlined the authorization process. And we want to keep listening to, to that feedback and get understanding, researching and developing and, and taking that feedback and, and having a look at our process and see where we can make change, changes to make things simpler. Um, so we're going to continue these research efforts, especially in the areas of ATO automation. I think that there could be a lot of uh, really neat synergies there. Looking at machine readable languages, how can we make the documentation aspect to the authorization simpler, um, and also a little bit of some robotics process automation. So uh, very exciting times um, and truly just keeping our ear to the ground, listening to our customers and hearing uh, the demand signals from them. Yeah, it's interesting. What I'm hearing you say is you're using a lot of this advanced technology to enable the technology, if you will, because of sort of the role that you're playing. How long, if I can ask you, how long is the uh, sort of that FedRAMP cycle taking these days? Sure. So you actually, know? we've had, so I can tell you from I kind know of. that's gotten better and better over it time. It has. It has. It certainly has. And we've also kind of been a little innovative in coming out with additional baselines. That's really more um, for agencies that understand their data types, that are using, for instance, a software as a service, sitting on an infrastructure platform that has a FedRAMP authorization. We released a baseline called FedRAMP Tailored, which really streamlines the process. And we had an authorization from beginning to end, including the documentation, the testing, everything that goes into the authorization, take, uh, take nine weeks for two products to get through. Wow. So a little bit, uh, a month for each. Um, so uh, we've seen some synergies there, um, you know, We'd like to say for anything that has, you know, the full gamut enterprise-wide solutions, um, more or less six months or less through this authorization process. But again, always ready and willing. We want to continue to evolve. We want to continue to condense that timeline. And we're really proactively looking at uh, different technologies to, to help that cause. Which I think is fantastic. Aubrey, how about a semantic? Uh, sort of paint a picture of the future there, if you will. Yeah, I got to go back to what, what Brian was uh, stating as his vision for the State Department, and that, that aligns so nicely with, with our strategy and our vision of what the future is. So, you know, you think about it, you know, we're interacting with the internet, we're interacting with, with public cloud applications and private cloud applications, and maybe to a lesser extent, uh, legacy applications. But being able to provide a, a platform, a framework, a fabric, if you will, that's going to allow you to have visibility and control across all those different environments so that you can understand what's happening at any point in time, down to the individual, down to the device, down to the specific object, right? So when you think about zero trust, it's not just controlling who and what is interacting with your assets, but it's also really understanding where those assets are. 
And you know, we can think about some of the breaches that we've had over the past months and years, certainly. Uh, I hear there's a, uh, well, the, you know, those things will continue to happen. As we, yes, as we move. Yes, there's been another breach. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, if we're gonna do this right, we need to make sure that we have the capability in place to be able to monitor those, those objects, understand their sensitivity, and if they do happen to get into the wrong hands, we might want a way to destroy them, right? So there's all sorts of capability that can enable that, that approach, you know, based on uh, PKI technology, for instance, being able to limit uh, the distribution of documents and understand, again, you know, who's interacting, where they're interacting from, Somebody tries to open up a document, basically it does a call back to the certificate store and understand uh, whether or not they're authorized to access that document. So it's not for a lack of technology. I think what we really need to focus on now is what, is that, what does that workflow look like and how do we best implement that workflow so it best scales the existing workforce? Right. Because and I think that's something that's really key for us to think about today as we kind of ramp up. Right, and have sort of that extensive auditing and metering, not too much overhead, but the ability to actually uh, you know, protect those assets as these uh, these environments get more complex and more dynamic. Doug, how about at uh, Deloitte? What, what's the future look like as you guys sort of take a bird's eye view across the globe? Uh, paint a picture for us. One quick point on uh, major challenges because it is related to the sure. future, which is I think the major challenge right now before the majority of agencies is how to manage multiple clouds concurrently and consistently. And I think. The core of the problem is a combination of the differences between clouds. They're not all the same. They don't operate in the same way for sure. But also that governance tends to be a paper-based exercise. And, and, and I said before, I've had a team working on this for a few years now. And we've come up with the concept of um, operationalized governance, which requires integration, transparency, and a management plane that reaches into all of the clouds and provides that transparency around security, capacity, performance, and things like that. Um, in terms of the future, very briefly, what we see right now is my prediction is cloud becomes core to mission capability. As uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, deep learning, and IoT come into the forefront, cloud is a major key enabler around those capabilities, certainly involving other technologies as well. Um, these are technologies that help resolve core mission problems. And We've found that the right answer there is a, is a cloud architect and a data scientist from the mission together working on these problems really is going to bring basically cloud and IT back into mission value. This challenge that we've all faced as CIOs and IT leaders across industry is struggling with that value. And I think that's going to be um, key to the future as, uh, as cloud moves more into mission. Well, uh, this has been a fantastic topic, and I, I want to thank today's guests for taking time from their busy schedules to join us for this program. We could talk all day about it. Uh, I'd like to thank the sponsors uh, for Without We Don't Have a Show. I'd like to thank the good people here at Federal News Radio that make our program so successful and enjoyable. And most of all, I'd like to thank you, the listening audience out there that tune in every month. You've been listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Thank you for listening to the 2019 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network, proudly celebrating 14 years. This show was produced by the Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion of the show, you can listen to the show in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com.